Welcome to the show today, guys. We are on top of everything right now because the secular culture, the progressive movement, which is accurately called the regressive movement, and the abortion industrial complex are losing their minds. There are currently unscalable gates erected around the Supreme Court building because of the somewhat violent riots and protests that are happening in D.C. and around the country, because the sacrament of Satan, the sacrament of secular progressivism, is being pulled down from the high places. We don't even know if Roe v. Wade is going to get overturned, but the preliminary draft opinion that was leaked suggests that the Supreme Court justices intend to vote 5-4 and saying there's no constitutional right to abortion anywhere in our Constitution, and Roe and Casey need to be overturned. Turned. If the justices remain strong, this will be one of the most, the most consequential political story and event since 1973, perhaps since the 14th Amendment, since Lincoln freed the slaves. And we haven't seen Democrats this angry since Republicans freed their slaves. But it's interesting, when they can't kill babies, suddenly Democrats know exactly what a woman is. Joe Biden, he now knows what a woman is. Gavin Newsom, Newsom Leaney, American psycho freak, abortion crazy kook in California, knows what a woman is. Elizabeth Warren, she knows what a woman is now. Joy Behar says that women need to take sex strikes to fight abortion. She knows what a woman is. And the Democrat Senate, Congress, are moving to try to federalize abortion through point of birth to prevent the Supreme Court from overturning Roe versus Wade. All of this is coalescing after two years of tyranny, and we begin to recognize that the apathy and bloodshed we've been sowing in the womb we're now reaping in the streets and in our politics. This is the Kairos turning point. This is the most consequential year in American political life, probably in your lifetime, if you're a millennial and certainly if you're Gen Z. Wake up, get ready, What are you going to tell your grandchildren about what you did in 2022? I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Thank you so much for staying tuned into this show. We're going to do all that we can to continue covering everything that's happening. I am going on a little vacation getaway on uh, Tuesday, um, May 10th, for a few days. We have some episodes we're going to get to you, but if there are breaking bombshell events happening next week, I apologize if we're not on it as quickly as we usually are. Um, Sometimes I need to not think about murdering babies all the time. I do it full-time as it is, and I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a friend. I need a break. But we are pushing hard on this show, and with my speaking schedule, and with some exciting announcements I'll have for you in a couple weeks, to take back life in this moment and to awaken the church, because I think some people are now finally starting to wake up as if from a long coma. And we all sense it. We all sense the tyranny, don't we? We all sense that those who kill children can maybe not be trusted to help children or families or society writ large. And if anything, if anything, God may be using this Supreme Court justice draft opinion leak 
as a way to expose the demonic nature of the liberal establishment, something that true Ezekiel watchmen and ambassadors for Christ already knew, but much of the church does not seem to approach these political discussions with that level of clarity. And most of the broader culture, who still has a semi-functioning moral compass, doesn't realize the spiritual principalities that are at play behind people like Joe Biden, like Gavin Newsom, like Elizabeth Warren. We've adopted these stupid, strange, myopic, truncated talking points about politics in America and in the church. And this comes out when you hear people say things like, I'm not political. Well, there's no such thing as not being political in America because in America we're a constitutional republic and the elected representatives serve at our pleasure and our consent— so who got them there? We did. So in virtue of being an American, you are political, right? Or you hear it in the church, right? People will say, my role is to preach the gospel, the Great Commission, share the good news of, this, of, the, of Jesus' saving grace, his death on the cross, his resurrection, eternal life, forgiveness of sins. That's what I'm called to. Politics is a different lane. Separation of church and state. There's no role or room for Christians in those areas, or at least not in such a passionate way. I don't want to lead with being a political fighter. I want to lead with Jesus and the nice little uh, Jesus I've concocted in my image, in, in my mind, not the one that flips tables, not the one that calls religious leaders who avoided the weightier issues of the law whitewashed tombs <laughs> who were snakes serving their real father. The, just the nice, kind Jesus that I've, I've sort of had a picture of in my mind. We have these strange talking points about politics in the church, and I think people are beginning to recognize that they were, they were, they were sold a rotten egg. <laughs> they, they were, this, this was false advertising. The, 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 these talking points that have been repeated by pastors and Christian lay people and Christian workers and ministers have just not been true. They've not been true. And now we're starting to realize that the people we've enabled to get into positions of political power through our apathy, apathy politically are, are now being exposed for the true demonic tools that they are. People screaming about the fact that they might, might not be able to continue killing babies in all 50 states in this country. So I hope this is an awakening call for Americans and for the church. And so we appreciate you listening to the show. We ask you to share this episode, to wake people up, and to get your churches and your pastors engaged to do something. Go to lovelife.org to learn more about how you as in your church can end abortion or book me to come speak in your church and we'll light a fire and get them engaged. Because here's the thing, if we don't overturn Roe versus Wade this June, I don't know if we ever will, at least not in my life. It's been, it's been 50 years nearly since the legalization of abortion. We failed to overturn Roe v. Wade in 1992 with Planned Parenthood v. Casey when I was one year old. And now here we are 50 years later. And if we don't do this now and we can't have confidence in the Supreme Court justices that Trump did get on the court, then I don't know when we will. And if we don't now, I don't know if the church will ever wake up to end abortion. In fact, I don't know if they'll be allowed to. Because if the Democrats federalize abortions through a constitutional amendment or some crap, making it illegal to ban abortions at any point in any of the 50 states, if they achieve their goal of the Equality Act, 
right, which would literally prosecute pro-life obstetricians who just don't want to perform in abortions because they have moral or religious objections to it. All of the tyranny that they're pushing, the, the Corrupt Politicians Act that would federalize elections, you know why they're doing this, right? Because they know how unpopular they are. So they're trying to create permanent political power either through COVID crisis that they'll continue to roll out so that they can get more power in these federal bureaucracies, taking away the democratic voice of the people, or passing crazy bills like the Corrupt Politicians Act or the Equality Act that will forever stunt the growth and success of the pro-life movement. That's why this year might be the most consequential year for unborn children and liberty and America writ large. They understand this. This is why they're quadrupling down. But isn't it funny that when the threat to kill babies comes, suddenly everyone knows exactly what a woman is. Here is Joe Biden recently being asked before he boards a plane, Air Force One probably, about what he thinks about the Supreme Court leak, okay? And, uh, and he's very upset. He thinks this is so regressive. Um, but see if you catch it about how he refers to, I don't know, what's the word? Uh, women. Play clip. Concerns me a great deal that we're going to, after 50 years, decide a woman does not have a right to choose. Well, there you go. It concerns me very deeply that after 50 years, we're going to decide that a woman does not have a right to choose. Who? A woman. Well, I, I, I thought that trans women were women. I thought that men could be women, that the body gives us no signals or pointers to our identity that they don't provide a rational basis for our moral decisions, that our bodies are just neutral. That's what I've been told by LGBTQ, LMNOPIA++++. Okay, this is what I've been told by the transgender philosophers. But suddenly, we know what a woman is because it's the woman who has the right to choose. Well, where does that right come from? Does it come from her human nature? Does it come from her femininity? It, so it's a woman's right, so it's not a man's right. So it's a right that's unique to women. But what is a woman? The, this is the questions that the secular progressive movement can't answer, even though they know exactly what a woman is. Just like Katanji Jackson, who says, I'm not a biologist, the new Supreme Court nominee and appointee, because uh, she can't answer the question, what is a woman? She knows exactly what a woman is, but she's trying to pander to the radical wing in order to protect her reputation. Same goes with Gavin Newsom, the governor of my home state in California, who is the most radical pro-abortion governor in American political history. And actually, it's not close. Remember, Gavin Newsom uh, was behind pushing the abortion pill onto university, uh, four-year university uh, health centers on campus a bill that Jerry Brown vetoed because he said it was way too radical because there was an abortion clinic within, a, I think, like a 10-minute drive of every four-year California State University. So why was it burdensome uh, for women to have to travel such that you need to put the abortion pill in university health centers? Oh, and by the way, if she has complications, she can't go back to the university health center because they're not equipped with the surgical uh, equipment or pr professionals to deal with 
um, hemorrhaging or a botched abortion, endangering women who will likely bleed out on the floor. Uh, none, of, you know, and he's behind, of course, pushing uh, mail order abortions as well. He wants that. He wants women to be able to order medication abortions, snail mail sent to their mailbox without confirming whether she has an ectopic pregnancy or not. Because if it's not confirmed and her fallopian tube bursts, she'll die. And not confirming how far along she is, because women are about 50% of women are anywhere from one to six weeks off of their gestational age, and that comes from OBGYNs that I talk to all around the country. And so if she thinks she's um, eight weeks along, but she's 12 weeks along, and the abortion pill is only supposed to be taken through 10 weeks, then she could take it past the time frame she's supposed to, leading to incomplete abortions and dead baby floating, dead floating baby pieces in her uterus. Gavin Newsom wants all of that, okay? And of course, he was uh, colluding with the future of abortion council to craft the 45 recommendations to turn California into a sanctuary state for abortion, including paying for the travel expenses of women coming out of a state where abortion might be banned, like Arizona, paying for her food, her hotel, her gas, and her abortion, oh, and her babysitting for her children at home, whose sibling she's killing. This is Gavin Newsom's California, and Gavin Newsom is, of course, a, a, a panderer to, uh, well, let's see, to men who think they're women because he's now putting them in women's prisons in California. You hear about these stories, women getting pregnant in California women's prisons? How's that happening? I thought trans women were women, so therefore they're only women. No, of course, they're men, and they're probably raping the women. Gavin Newsom's all for that and, of course, was pandering to pedophiles leading up to his election as well and the, and the recall effort by lessening the, the sentences against pedophiles. Uh, lovely man, uh, but now suddenly he knows what a woman is as well. Uh, here's a tweet from Gavin Newsom, um, and he spoke at a Planned Parenthood abortion rally, I guess, um, and just talking about how regressive we are thinking about overturning Roe v. Wade. And here's what he said. He said, if men could get pregnant, this wouldn't even be a conversation. <laughs> so he didn't say this verbally, but in his tweet where he shared his video clip, he said, if men could get pregnant, this wouldn't even be a conversation. This decision isn't about strengthening families. It's about extremism. It's about control. We will fight for the right to choose. Um, but the whole ideology of transgenderism says that men can get pregnant, right? R remember, they, they don't just say that um, men can become women. They say trans women are women, okay? They, they don't just say that gender and sex are different, right? This was the old talking points you still hear that they say, well, your sex is your genitalia, okay, or your chromosomes, um, but then gender is a social construct on how you identify, okay? But woman is a biological term. Female is a biological term. So they are, they'll say trans women are women or trans females are females. This is what they say. So now they're not just saying that it's gender, a social construct that men can identify as women. They're saying, no, men can become biological women. I hate that phrase, women, biologically. Like, okay, well, then, then who has the right to abortion? And, and what are they aborting exactly? If, if, the, if the man who says he's a woman doesn't even have a uterus. Of course, th these are the questions that they don't want you asking them. But Newsom is saying men can't get pregnant. If men could get pregnant, this wouldn't even be a conversation. Oh, so men can't get pregnant, Newsom. Hilarious. And now we have this Fox News headline and story here of uh, all, the trans, all the trans activists are all pissed off at Gavin Newsom, calling him a transphobe now. Is it, it, uh, <laughs> it's awesome when the left eats their own, by the way. It is very satisfying. 
Um, because we all know that most of these people don't believe this. There are a few radicals who do, but people like Gavin Newsom and others, they just lick their finger, they stick it up, and they see which way the wind's blowing. Okay, they just pander to the radical wing because they believe that that's where the culture is going, the dominant culture. And we'll get to that later as to whether what they're doing is actually going to be successful because I don't think it's going to play well in Peoria, though they think it's playing very well with what they view is the dominant majority of the culture. So just hilarious, just hilarious. When the sacrament of abortion is compromised and they might not be able to shed more blood of unborn children, when that alleged right is compromised, then, then suddenly they're willing to throw the transgenders uh, you know, out of their party. They're willing to stab them in the back, which of course I would say is actually loving. It's, it's loving to say, no, you are the sex and gender you were born as because there is no such thing as non-binary. There's no such thing as changing genders. It's actually loving to tell people the truth. But, of course, the transgender community thinks that Gavin Newsom is a transphobe, that he's hateful. So now he's allegedly hating them, tossing them out the second abortion is compromised. Because, obviously, we know that people who get abortions are women because only women can get pregnant. And that is the right, right? Choice is the centerpiece of secular progressivism. It represents their entire liberal regime. Because if they can liberate themselves, even from the constraints of human nature itself— by redefining who a human is and what human rights are, because they say abortion is a right, right? Well, then what about the child's rights? You have a warring of interest here, a warring of rights. If they can redefine what it means to be a human by calling the unborn child a cockroach, an untermensch, a blob of tissue, a pregnancy, and then redefine human rights and liberate themselves, even from the constraints of human nature, then there is no end to their political project. And guys, that's always been the point, to redefine everything, to upend society so they can recreate it in their own image. Uh, abortion really is the pagan replacement for man's pursuit of eternal life. It represents this strange religious and eternal longing to be as gods. And when you begin to compromise that, Suddenly, everyone has moral clarity on what a woman is. Very interesting. Elizabeth Warren is very angry. She's very angry. Remember Pocahontas, Liawatha, uh, the, 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 the obviously incredibly pasty white woman, senator who pretended to be an Indian on her uh, law school applications and employment applications for years in order to pander to um, the, the uh, secular culture's obsession with um, minorities, right? <laughs> because, oh, if you're a minority, then you get rights, and you were probably oppressed at one point. And so she referred to herself as an Indian. She said she was like some, I don't know, tenth of a percent of an Indian or something like this. Well, uh, apparently Elizabeth Warren actually um, is very aware of older Indian cultures, uh, namely the Aztecs and Tisla Tapoca and other Aztec gods that demanded human sacrifice and bloodshed and cut open children and adults' hearts to take uh, bodies to take their hearts out and sacrifice them to this to this bloodthirsty uh, secular deity uh, for whom uh, they would receive a blessing and rain and, and good crops in return. And Elizabeth Warren is very angry um, that her. I guess her Indian gods are, are, are starving as their daily supply of babies might begin to be shortened because we are taking down 
the high places. And so Elizabeth Warren is angry, but apparently also knows what a woman is as well. Here's Elizabeth Warren uh, traveling around D.C. screaming and yelling, uh, I am woman, hear me roar, um, to a bunch of, of, of people that are saying they're Catholics, uh, pro-aborts, and abortion is health care. Here's Elizabeth Warren. I am angry because of who will pay the price for this. It will not be wealthy women. Wealthy women can get on an airplane. They can fly to another state. They can fly to another country. They can get the protection they need. This will fall on the poorest women in our country. This will fall on those who have been raped. This will fall on mothers who are already struggling to work three jobs to be able to support the children they have. Well, I am here because I am angry and I am here because the United States Congress can change all of this. So, uh, Elizabeth Warren is peddling this old pro-abortion talking point about how if abortion is made illegal, um, it's going to disproportionately harm the poor. You hear them say this about with like black people as well, right? Black America that disproportionately obtain abortions. They say that 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 if you're pro-life, you're a racist because pro-life laws disproportionately harm black American families. Which is a very actually racist thing to say if you understand what they're saying. They're saying, yeah, black people, they, they can't handle too many children. They're not very good parents. Like they, they literally won't be able to. It'll hurt them. Those little blessings, those little babies. Ugh, you don't want too many black people having too many babies because uh, I'm a disciple of Margaret Sanger and we have to use birth control and abortion to control the black population. You see? <laughs> so it, 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 this is all part of the sort of history of the Democrat Party and the secular progressive movement. So this should not surprise us. Um, and Elizabeth Warren peddles the same types of talking points about the poor. Uh, just as she does black people, right? She says that, you know, make no mistake, you wealthy women can travel, to, right? They can take planes and they can travel to other states where abortion's legal if, if abortion becomes illegal. But this will fall, fall on the poor people. Um, as I think as uh, Robert P. George brilliantly said, or Frank Beckwith, uh, some wonderful pro-life philosophers, the vices of the wealthy do not become virtues simply because the poor are denied them. The vices of the wealthy, namely killing your children, don't become virtues or good things simply because the poor denied them. So it's a strange argument to say that, well, if abortion's overturned, only rich people will be able to kill their babies. Like, well, okay, how about nobody kills their babies? And it's also incredibly bigoted towards poor people, just like it's incredibly bigoted towards black America to say that pro-life laws disproportionately harm black and poor families because they're saying that, yeah, poor people, they're not very good parents. Oh, man, like, oh, man. They, and they, they can't control their sexual impulses either, according to Elizabeth Warren, because those pro-life laws, those poor people, they're just, they just, oh, they just have to hump people. They just have to have sex. And, and so they're just going to keep having babies because they have no self-control whatsoever because they're poor, according to Elizabeth Warren. Um, and so they're going to have all these babies that they won't be able to kill. And that's not equitable. That's not just. And that's going to hurt their income and their livelihood because it's just harder to raise more children when you don't make as much money. Wow, Warren, you sound a little bit like you hate poor people and black people. Yes, of course. This is the history and the legacy of the Democrat Party. And so Elizabeth Warren... Um, of course, says that um, 
it is still women who get abortions, <laughs> right? She's saying wealthy women can still get abortions, but then poor mothers, did you catch that? She said poor mothers uh, will not be able to, and that will be hard on them. So suddenly we know what mothers are again, and women, when you can't kill babies, when you maybe can't kill babies. We don't even know what the Supreme Court will decide yet. And so Elizabeth Warren finishes here by saying that um, the Congress could fix this right now. And Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are trying to do just that. We'll get to that in just one second. Um, but I want to I want to comment on this last interesting um, reactions from the secular culture to abortion. And we, we've seen these this reaction from other people as well. Um, for example, in 2019, when you had some of the most pro-life laws ever being passed, particularly in Georgia and other states, and you had similar responses then. Joy Behar from The View, one of the cackling hens over at The View, is saying that we need a sex strike. And you'll hear this every once in a while from some kooky Hollywood, uh, you know, would-be philosopher saying that if those pro-lifers are going to take away our right to have abortions, then we're just not going to have sex. Great idea, Joy Behar. Speak for yourself. Here's Joy Behar. Women in the world have conducted sex strikes in history. In 2003, oh. a sex strike, a strike helped, helped to end Liberia's brutal civil war. And the woman who, charged, who started it was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. In 2009, Kenyan women enforced a sex ban until political infighting ceased. Within one week, there was a stable government. Okay, so we have more power than we think we have. And some of it could be right in the bedroom. Just saying. A sex strike. So there you go. We have more power than we think we do. And some of that power could be in the bedroom. Very, very interesting. Um, it's always funny when the left thinks they understand the right. And so they they come up with policies or talking points or jokes to, to sort of jab at the right. And then the right goes like, Great idea. I love it. I covered this on the podcast a few months ago. There was a pro-abortion uh, uh, state representative in Oklahoma, actually, of all places. Pretty interesting because that's a very, pretty pro-life state. And he proposed a bill that would demand that fathers are financially responsible for the mother and the baby from conception. And he was trying to troll conservatives and pro-lifers by saying, oh yeah, you're going to ban abortion in Oklahoma? Well, then I guess fathers should be responsible from conception. And he's thinking that conservatives and pro-lifers are all these like sex-crazed addicts like he is, and that they're going to be like, oh no, 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 we were just kidding, we were just kidding, we don't want that pro-life legislation, because us conservative religious pro-lifers, we also just love to sleep around and bang people and impregnate them and not be responsible. That's how he picturing the right like we wouldn't want that like that was some troll and then all the conservatives and pro-lifers are like awesome idea dude thanks and then this guy his name was Forrest something a, a, a you know a state representative in Oklahoma he goes and apologizes to pro-abortion groups because they were pissed off at him for this bill and then he said this bill was obviously not serious I didn't actually mean this hilarious and there's been studies about this about how the conservative movement like generally understands the left their political ideology their underlying worldview what motivates them their assumptions and ideas, but the left does not understand the right whatsoever. And, and it comes out in things like this. And so they're, oh, you know, every time someone says, we need a sex strike, you, you're going to take away our right to kill babies? Well, we're just not going to sleep around. And then they were like, awesome, great idea. We would prefer, actually, that you didn't have and raise children because you're a bad mother. You would be a bad mother. You think that your children that you would raise would be non-persons, untermensch blobs of tissues that could be murdered as long as they were in the womb through all nine months of pregnancy. You think that if your four-year-old says they're a 
girl. They should have their penis cut off, have cross-sex hormones and puberty blockers pumped into them, and then reintroduce them into society as a female. Yeah, I would actually prefer if you didn't have children. It would be very good for you to not raise children. That would be very good for society and the social fabric. Because those children would be horribly miserable and the victim of your horrible ideas and lifestyle. Because ideas have consequences and bad ideas have victims. Ideas are not neutral. They form us into the type of individual we're going to be and how we see the world. What we view as human flourishing and human rights. What we view as good and evil, beautiful and ugly, good and bad. (laughs) So, of course, everyone's saying, great idea, Joy Behar. We love it. Run with it. Um, You know, former Indiana Governor Mitch Daniels uh, was once asked how we can beat the libs. And he had a very funny answer. He said, well, you can either outfox them, right? You can outmaneuver them or outpersuade them in politics. Um, but that's kind of difficult because they're pretty clever at politics, if you haven't noticed that about the left. He said, or you can outbreed them. And I would recommend the latter because the latter is more fun. <laughs> right? And so the long view of taking back life and righteousness and a healthy social fabric and healthy families in America is that conservatives... Pro-life Christians get married, stay faithful, and have lots of babies. While the left, unfortunately, this is kind of dark, I don't mean this as a joke, will likely abort themselves into extinction. Now, I would prefer that they do. I hope this sex strike thing takes off. I would. I love it. I hope that the entire secular progressive movement just stops sleeping around. That would be wonderful for America, for families, and for children. But if that doesn't take off, and I doubt it will, then they'll continue to sleep around and they'll kill the babies that they create through their belief that they deserve orgasms without responsibility. In which case, they will probably continue to abort themselves into oblivion. The long game is to outbreed the left in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and entirely flip the culture and the social fabric. But I love it, Joy Behar. Sex strike as hard as you want. So the Guardian is reporting on May 5th that Schumer um, sets abortion rights vote. He says America will be watching. Darn right America's watching. And we're incredibly more pro-life than you think. And this is exactly what Elizabeth Warren was just saying, right? She's saying the United States Congress can end this right now. What does she mean by that? She means federalizing abortion. That's what she means. The U.S. Senate will vote next week on legislation that would codify abortion rights into federal law. Although the measure has next to no chance of passing the divided chamber and will be mostly symbolic, the Associated Press reports. Of course, because they want to get Republicans and Democrats um, their votes on the board so that they can run on those votes this November. Why? Because they believe that the culture is way more pro-abortion than it actually is. Chuck Schumer and senators will vote on Wednesday on the Pregnant Workers Fairness Act. (laughs) Oh, we don't know what women are again, I guess, because we can't call them women. We have to call them pregnant workers. A similar measure failed in February following the House passing an abortion rights bill in September. Although he does not have the necessary 60 votes to overcome a Republican filibuster and move ahead with the bill, Schumer said it was important members of both parties go on record about where they stand. Next week's vote will be one of the most important we ever take because it deals with one of the most personal and difficult decisions a woman. Oh, we know. Oh, well, now we know what they are again. 
has ever had to make in her life. Come next week, Senate Republicans will have to answer for everything they've done over the years to embolden the hard right's hostility against a woman's woman's choice. The, vo- the vote will tell next week America will be watching. <laughs> okay. So, yes, go all in. Do it. I love it. Double, triple, and quadruple down and insist on killing babies through point of birth. Do it. I love it. I love it. Tell American citizens that we need to have abortion laws through point of birth and no protections for babies who survive botched abortions because Pelosi, Schumer, and the Democrats have vetoed the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act over 80 times. Go for it. Yes, absolutely, because this will not play well in Peoria. You know, you hear people say, uh, Elizabeth Warren said this in another clip in D.C. She said that 72% of Americans support Roe versus Wade. You hear these talking points all the time. It's actually one of the most repeated lines you'll hear from the abortion industry and, and the Democrats that, that you know, a, a super majority of American citizens support Roe v. Wade. That's never been true because most Americans don't know what's in Roe v. Wade. They have no idea what that decision and its companion case, Doe versus Bolton, actually said about abortion. How do I know this? Well, there was a 1991, there you go, year I was born, a 1991 survey of American opinion called Abortion and Moral Beliefs. And um, it was, it specifically was measuring the American understanding of what Roe v. Wade enabled, what was in the decision, what it allowed. Here's what it found. Only one in 10 people could give an accurate account of the Roe v. Wade decision. One in 10. And I think that might even be a little bit generous. One in 10. Okay. So when you see these polls of like, you know, percentage of Americans who say they're pro-life and pro-choice and then percentages of people who say they support Roe v. Wade and don't support Roe v. Wade, just know that they don't know what's in Roe v. Wade. Here's an example. I'll prove it to you right now. I'll prove it to you right now, right? Not enough pro-lifers and conservatives talk about this poll and, and actually discredit this talking point. I'll prove it right now. The Gallup poll in 2019 found that only 13% of American citizens supported the legality of third trimester abortions. Only 13%, not of Republicans or Democrats, of Americans, wanted third trimester abortions to be legal. What did Roe v. Wade and Doe versus Bolton do? Legalize abortion through point of birth for any reason or no reason at all. And even in pro-life states that have bans on abortion in the third trimester, the woman need only say that her third trimester pregnancy is endangering her health, her emotional health, her family health. She's stressed out. She's anxious. She's having a fight with her husband, just a verbal fight, and she's stressed out. That would meet the court's definition of health such that she could obtain a third trimester abortion even in a more pro-life state. So that's what Roe v. Wade and Doe versus Bolton enabled. So if you really want to say, do Americans support Roe v. Wade as it is in reality, in the real world on the ground what does roe v wade enable abortion through point of birth okay how many americans want abortion through point of birth through all nine months of pregnancy only 13 percent. so actually the correct percentage uh, elizabeth warren would be this uh 87 of americans don't support roe v wade <laughs> okay so there you go Um, this, uh, guardian piece continues and says democratic leaders lacking the support needed to change Senate rules and pass on abortion bill. A majority vote have signaled they intend to take the fight to voters during the campaign leading to the November election. See, they're going to run on the fact that Republicans want to overturn Roe v. Wade 
in order to win uh, elections. And I think it's going to have the complete opposite effect. And that's just absolutely wonderful. Um, for any of my male um, pro-life men out there, this is also a very exciting moment for all of us because we have now learned that if we just identify as a woman just long enough to... Um, to uh, express our opinion on abortion, um, then the secular culture has to respect our opinion, right? Trans women are women. I am a trans woman, okay? I identify as a woman, and therefore, you told me this was a woman's right issue. And so, as a woman, I don't want women to have the right to kill unborn women in the womb. So I'm very excited for the secular culture to welcome my entrance into society as a woman and therefore respect my opinions on abortion. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. Of course, we all know how cynical these people are. Let's wrap up the show today with this point. You're going to hear and are already hearing a lot in all of the media and all the talking points amongst your friends, family members, and coworkers, the euphemisms of the culture of death. Every time that abortion is compromised, the left triples down on their euphemisms for abortion, right? Joe Biden to the State of the Union calling abortion maternal health care, maternal health care, so their mothers and their women, women's rights, reproductive health care, reproductive justice, abortion is health care. Okay, abortion is women's equality, they say. These are all of the euphemisms that are required to defend abortion because the left understands the power of language. And this is why the left has been pushing political correctness for so long because they understand that by redefining language and redefining words, political correctness writ large corrupts one's ability to think clearly about reality. This is a powerful point. You need to understand this. Political correctness corrupts one's ability to think clearly about reality because words shape the way we think. Language colors the way we see the world. We can't help but have this happen to us because language is objective. It refers to something in the real world. Words are pointers that refer, when I say man, I don't mean woman. I, I mean I, that man right there, right? They're, they're referring to something that exists objectively. And so when you begin to entrench the society with euphemisms that redefine language and therefore redefine reality, because words refer to reality, that corrupts the culture's ability to think clearly about reality. And this is why I've, I've had friends and have friends who say they're Christians, who say they're pro-life, who still vote for Hillary Clinton, who still vote for Joe Biden, who still vote for people who lynch babies in the womb, because they say while they're pro-life, there's other life issues that matter, you know, like quality of life issues versus protection of life issues. Well, how, can, how does this happen to someone who says they're pro-life? I think the, one of the answers to that question is language. Language is, key. language is decisive. Language is incredibly powerful because for generations now, the culture has been being told, inculcated with a certain vision of what abortion is. This is why the horror and reality of abortion has to be suppressed. It has to be hidden. The reality, those pictures coming out of Washington, D.C., the murdered infants, you can't see those. We have to suppress that, censor that, hide that, cover it up, shadow ban it. Because they know that most people are not on board with the horror of abortion, specifically in the third trimester. And if you, if you condemn abortions in the third trimester, you kind of have to generally condemn all of them because you can't say it's a human at this point, but not at this, not at this point when it clearly was a human from the moment of conception. So when the culture begins to associate abortion with healthcare, equality, women's rights, feminism, egalitarianism, for years, that's been the connection that has been built into the American consciousness. That's powerful. Never discount the power of normalization, of normalization. 
This is what historians have always asked about Germany. How was it that so many people were silent and did nothing? Who knew better? The power of normalization and the power of suppression. Joseph Goebbels, the Nazi propagandist, right? He famously defined fake news, and he said, if you tell a lie big enough and you keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. And so he said, what was the solution to this? He said, therefore, the, the, the state must use all of its powers to repress dissent. For the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and therefore, by extension, the truth is the mortal enemy of the state. So the truthful voices have to be censored because they're speaking clearly with language about the nature of reality. So political correctness corrupts one's ability to think clearly about reality. This is why we have to be so clear in our language, calling abortion murder, genocide, baby lynching, human sacrifice, child sacrifice, to, to shake the American consciousness back to reality, right? To rattle their cages, their political correct cages, and to free them to come back home, to come to reality. And we'll finish with this. Theodore Dalrymple, um, it, it's, it's his pen name, actually, but he's an English cultural critic, a prison physician, and psychiatrist. Fascinating man. He's written some fascinating books. One is called Life at the Bottom. I encourage you to check out. But he has studied communist propaganda in communist societies for years, and he has a very interesting and important insight into how political correctness corrupts one's ability to think clearly about reality and corrupts one's ability to stand up against evil at all. Here's what he says, and I want you to, I want you to think deeply about this quote, this insight. Given everything we've covered in this episode just now, given everything happening in the culture and the society right now, as the left quadruples down on their euphemisms and on their sacrament of abortion— he said, political correctness is just communist propaganda writ small. Political correctness is communist propaganda writ small. In my study of communist societies, I came to the conclusion, he says, that the purpose of communist propaganda is not to persuade or convince. It's not to inform, but to humiliate you hear that? The purpose of communist propaganda is to humiliate. And therefore, the less it corresponded to reality, the better, he says. When people are forced to remain silent, when they are being told the most obvious lies, or even worse, when they are forced to repeat those lies themselves, they lose once and for all their sense of integrity. When you're forced to remain silent when you're being told obvious lies, or when you're forced to repeat the lies yourself, you lose once and for all your sense of integrity. To assent to obvious lies is in some small way to become evil oneself. One's ability to stand and resist anything is thus corrupted and even destroyed because a society of emasculated liars is easy to control. I think if you examine political correctness, it has the same effect and is intended to. Powerful historical insight. A society of emasculated liars is easy to control because they've lost their sense of integrity because they know they're liars and they're assenting to obvious lies, which makes them kind of a part in the evil agenda itself. And political correctness has the same intention 
as communist propaganda to humiliate and to keep the good people silent who know better but are choosing to live in lies in order to go along, to get along, to get their crumbs from the table of secular progressivism and remain in peace or the appearance of peace so that their rights and their comfort and their way of life are not compromised or harmed by being forced to get uncomfortable to stand up to evil and to oppression. This is our moment. This is the time, the year, for the culture to stand against these Orwellian genocidal maniacs like Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, Elizabeth Warren, Joy Behar, and the entire liberal establishment. And the longer you go along to get along and remain silent, the sooner your ability to stand up against anything or resist anything is corrupted is deconstructed and is destroyed because you've lost your sense of integrity and you don't even look up to yourself. You don't even have confidence in yourself because you went along with lies that you knew to be lies so long that you no longer know what the truth even is. That's the danger with remaining silent and assenting to obvious lies. And what could be a greater lie than that babies are not persons, babies have no rights, babies are not precious, and they should be killed not just through point of birth, but outside the womb too. Because Washington, D.C. right now, where all the madness is happening, is also refusing to conduct autopsy examinations for the murdered infants whose pictures we've all seen, some of whom were obviously killed through partial birth abortions, which is illegal, but they don't even want to expose that because it compromises the entire liberal establishment and the dead babies are falling down, the high places are being torn down, and their ability to control the narrative and justify their regime is being compromised as well. We need to quadruple down, demand life, demand standards, demand the American way of life, which begins with the natural right to life. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, give the show rating and review. We really appreciate it. It helps us reach more people, particularly now. How important it is to reach good common sense Americans right now with the truth to get them to stand in this moment. If you want to stand and engage your community for life because everything is local, we can't control the federal right now, but we can control the local. Go to lovelife.org, bring Love Life or me to your church and get a chapter and training started. We do it all for you and we raise up your leaders to save babies so that people stop running to abortion centers and they start running to the church of Jesus Christ. If you want to book me for an event or see my speaking schedule, go to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com. I will see you on the battlefield. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Unaborted. <laughs>